Chapter 1. Sunday morning in a busy house. Close your eyes. Imagine a world, a tiny heaven if you will, 100 acres of fertile green farmland nestled protectively with the towering Skimmerhorn Mountains standing guardian over this land. Two fresh, abundant mountain springs feed a plentiful creek which laughs through green meadows where contented dairy cows chew their cuds in the afternoon shade of a big apple tree. Wandering through a thick marshy forest which lines the back of the property against the mountain, the creek feels a long pond which holds water for irrigation and becomes a community gathering place for varying activities. Skating parties in winter and a retreat from the summer's heat for barbecues or just a bunch of kids ducking each other's heads under water, diving from the raft or trying for luck with a fishing pole. Depending on the season, a gaggle of happy children play along the creek banks, squeezing mud between their toes, catching minnows in buckets, or swinging on a rope swing over the water. Others spend the hot afternoon, hours, after their home chores are done, jumping from the hayloft and building hay shacks in the coolness of the big old barn. If we visited this world in 1989, there I would be, six years old, playing with my cousins, or sitting with my best friend Miriam, our well-sunned brown legs dangling in the cold, clear water of the creek, the pockets of our floral cotton summer dresses bulging with green apples, lost in the foreverness of a childhood summer. Between munching our greenies, lathering each bite with the blue cow salt we broke off the block in the field. We are planning which animals we will need to add to our growing little farm. My brother Pete is helping me buy one of my uncle's bummer lambs and Mir has chickens. When we grow up, we will go into business together like our dads, we say. Our houses will be right next to each other or We'll marry the same guy and be polygamists like our mothers. Our kids will help us on the farm before they get to go play in the old barn. Mother is a petite woman with olive skin, feminine curves, and dark wavy hair she wears fixed into set smooth waves on her forehead and a thick braid which hangs down her back. Her eyes are often stern and brows furrowed in thought, making her seem far away much of the time as she cooks, cleans, and manages the busy full household she inherited upon my parents' marriage when they were both 18. My father's dad died one year before, so mother and dad moved into a big house <clears throat> with dad's mother, Grams, and half a dozen of my father's younger siblings. Grandpa Ray's other wives and children lived in various locations on the farm. In the early days on the ranch, everyone looked out for everyone. <clears throat> it was a community which worked together to raise the children, as much out of sheer means of survival as it was of any ideals. Those were some lean years, but nobody had any more than anyone else, so we barely noticed. On any given night, there was easily a dozen extra people at the family dinner table. It was simple food, usually soup and biscuits, but it was fresh 
hot and delicious, and there was always lots of it. Never send a child home hungry was something Grams lived by and said often. So mealtimes were clamoring with cousins and uncles, sharing energetic stories, songs, fresh bread, and generally not the best manners. The mothers and girls cooked the meals and did the dishes. Mostly the boys did the farm chores. Clear gender roles kept things simple and organized. Women can't hold the priesthood, so church stuff is for men. But there is lots of work to do on the farm, so the women do the gardening and help on the farm plenty. Happy birthday, sweetheart. Mother smooths the sleep, the sleep scraggles from my forehead with her cool hand to kiss me lightly above my eyes. Like every little girl, I thought my mother was the most beautiful woman in the world. She has something behind her back, and when I laugh, she tries to turn so I can't see it. I knew she was working on something for me, because for the past few days, she would tell me to run and play when she sat down to sew at her sewing machine. She holds up a pink velour skating dress with white furry trim across the bottom of the skirt, sleeves, and a little cape. I had seen the cloth in her sewing box. It was as soft as kitten's fur and, as, and a perfect fit. I twirl, imagining the way I will look come next winter wearing it floating across the icy pond, learning spins and twirls. The best still to come, she holds up my strawberry shortcake doll, wearing an exact tiny replica of my dress with the white trim and cape. I throw my arms around her neck and squeeze tight before running upstairs to show Daddy. On this particular morning, my father sits in his usual seat at the head of the table, his back to the big window which looks out to the front hill driveway and the beige-colored phone with the extra long, tightly coiled cord near his right arm. He's the bishop and spends a lot of time on the phone. If he gets through a bowl of cereal without the phone ringing, it's a miracle. I twirl into the dining room like the queen herself will be waiting for me and hold the doll in my father's face as he sings one of his favorite and usual songs to me. He holds the sides of my face, squishing my cheeks out as he does so and kisses me on the forehead. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. He playfully puts me over his knee and exaggeratedly lays out my birthday spankings. One for each year, stands me up with a pinch to grow an inch and a pat to grow fat. Next, he digs into his pocket and pulls out a crisp $5 bill and a loony. My long-awaited birthday money which I'll squirrel away for my farm savings. Each year it goes up a dollar as I get one year older. Daddy continues singing as I climb into a chair next to my little sister Nikki, who is sitting next to him eating her cornflakes, a Sunday morning treat. My father isn't a tall man, but has the wide shoulders and powerful arms and barrel chest, which they say made great-grandfather Blackmore such a good, strong sailor. From what I've heard, those arms and shoulders did their share of slinging hay bales and other hard work around the farm, but a few years of driving semi-trucks, hauling logs, hay, cows, and whatever else needed moved to run a farm 
and budding logging business. Dad, too, spent some days in his office where he organized church and stuff, school stuff, too. Along with fresh bread and Sunday dinners, it's showing in Dad's belly. Too many mashed potatoes and gravy and Grandma's fresh bread, Dad says. There never was a Blackmore who was too thin. In the corner of the little, by the little table, Mother Marianne is combing Katie's hair, dripping a comb into a cup of water. Katie complains that she's pulling too hard and little droplets of water run down the sides of her face each time Mother Marianne dips the comb in water to wet her hair. Her fingers fly, neatly parting Katie's thick hair and securing it into a wave with a clip and two braids. Katie looks fresh and ready to face the day, and before anyone else can get in line, I ask Mother Marianne to comb my hair cute for my birthday, for church. The kitchen clamors with my three mothers, all focused and bustle about to mobilize the small army, which is our family making preparations for the big Sunday dinner served at our house after church each Sunday with easily 50 to 80 extended family members showing up for mashed potatoes and gravy with all the fixins. My older sister Susie clears the breakfast dishes. Mother Christina asked me to hold our baby Nesta and Mother Marianne's baby Vicky is sitting in the high chair eating porridge with her hands. The big boys come in from doing the morning chores. Hiram quickly strains the two buckets of steamy, frothy milk and Peter has a bucket of poopy eggs which need washing. It's Pete's birthday too, and when he comes in to breakfast, changed into his white shirt and black pants with his shirt tails tucked in, church ready, Dad does the birthday ritual all over again, slapping a whole $10 bill on the table, exaggerating despair. Now I'm broke. We all laugh at his drama and grin wide. Ours is a frugal household with parents who had never heard of allowances or would never dream of paying us to do chores. We had what we needed and rarely asked or received anything extra, so birthday money was the highlight of the year and was treasured and protected. The chicken roasting in the oven fills the whole house with the aroma of Sunday. Gramsie stands at the kitchen sink, looking out the long window peeling potatoes to fill the large silver pot. Happy, she says most days, that she's hard of hearing and doesn't have to listen to the chaos and the running, hollering kids. Mashed potatoes and gravy, bread dressing, canned corn and green beans to go on the side, and then cake with strawberries and whipped cream or jello salad for dessert. The best reason to go to church is to come home to all that yummy food. Mother is on Sunday dinner. She pulls a big chocolate cake from the oven, spreads a white baking sheet over it, and sets it in the dining room out of the way to cool. What I'm certain will be my brother's and I's shared birthday cake, which has now become our birthday tradition. A family just doesn't need two cakes in one day, Mother says. The bright May sunshine sun shines through the open door. People go in and out. My little brother is walking around with one shoe on. Hurry, bud, we gotta get going, Daddy scolds him. The mothers are gathering up babies, 
checking on things in the kitchen, running back and forth to get something forgotten. Nikki doesn't have her hair combed, so Mother Christina runs back to grab a comb. Daddy tells Danny and Dave, his younger brothers, who live with us to take his truck and drive Gramsie to church. Leaning back from the railing, I'm enraptured, admiring the way my skirt flares out to the fluffy white trim. When I twirl, it goes up almost in a perfect circle, showing my white slip and my lacy bloomers. I keep the skirt down with my hands so no one will scold me to act more like a lady and not show my underwear. Daddy steps out the kitchen door, and I'm the only one who appears ready to go to church. Walk with me, sweets. He takes my hand, and we head up the hill. I skip a bit to keep him to keep up with him, so he starts to sing, skip, skip, skip to my loo, skip to my loo, my darling. I sing along, thrilled, I get my daddy to myself, and thinking that this is the best birthday ever. At the top of the hill, we turn onto the new road. It's been a couple of years since they made it, and the dirt is mostly packed down smooth, but the name stuck. Instead of going all the way to the end of the road, turning to go up the long hill to the new school, where we had church in the big room, we have a good trail which cuts up through the trees and comes to the back of the school. Daddy and I turn up the trail instead of sticking to the long winding road. The new school is built on the old dump property, which our community bought when I was three. I'm walking ahead of him because the trail is only wide enough for me. For one, I'm stepping carefully not to get dirt on my shiny black shoes. Daddy stops. In a soft voice, he lowers down to his heels. Look at this, love. I turn. He is pointing at a little hollow beneath a fallen, a large fallen tree. I wouldn't have seen it if he wasn't pointing but not a foot from the trail where I have walked every day to school. I count four perfect eggs, as blue as a summer sky, carefully hidden there by their mama. We smile our secret. If you touch a bird's eggs, when she returns to the nest, she will smell you on her eggs and will roll them out of the nest. We both love birds. Daddy's always telling the boys in the church not to shoot the birds with their slingshots. I will keep it our little secret, so no mean boys will break the eggs. Daddy starts singing while we prop some branches to block the view from the trail. I know where there's a robin's nest, a robin's nest, a robin's nest. I know where there's a robin's nest, but I'm not telling you where. We sing together walking up the hill in the fresh... May sunshine. You might frighten the birds away, birds away, birds away. You might frighten the birds away, so I'm not telling you where.